Hey guys, you are listening to the D49er Update. This is our news update show for the Daily 49er where we sit down and recap and go over what stories have been published in our newspaper this week. Uh, I am Joel Vaughn. Um, I'm the host, uh, I guess you would say program director. Generally, I do all the editing and hosting stuff and, you know, bring people together for when we, you know, report on what we've reported. So, um, yeah, um, a little bit of a change of pace. Um, we used to do this completely live, which was, I don't know, in my experience, quite the feat with, you know, uh, bringing in our reporters, um, bringing in our editors, bringing in um, guests to interview live on air or live over the phone. But we're adapting. We're ever evolving here. So from here on out, we're going to be doing as much of the show as pre-recorded as possible so to start off with that may be a little bit rough um think of this first episode as kind of our trial run um, or at least my trial run for figuring out how we are going to do this and how we are going to get it off the ground so um to start with for tonight we have a couple things and almost entirely news not almost entirely news literally entirely news so to start off with we got um Kat, our news editor, and Sarah, our assistant news editor, um, interviewing the associate director of honors, the honors program here on campus. So they sat down with him, had a nice little chat. That should be, you know, a decent portion of tonight's program. Um, let's see. After that, we have James. Um, James, 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 my dear old boy, James. James and I sat down earlier on Friday um, to discuss news that has just generally been going around in our newspaper. I believe we went over the ASI Senate meeting. Um, let's see what else. The city, the people's state of the city. Um, so, yeah, you can look forward to that. And then capping off our show at the end, I'll be talking to one of our um, Journalism 420 students. So that is Journalism 420 of the class, not 420 the Blaze It. But, you know, um, he went and reported on the current crackdown that Long Beach is trying to do on low-income hotels and what his experience in going to one of these hotels was and what he saw there and his overall experience. So, yeah, guys, thanks. Um, Enjoy the show. And then we're going to jump to Kat right here. I'm Kat Schuster. I'm the news editor at the Daily 49er, and I'm here with... Hi, I am Sarah Veers. I am the assistant news editor at the Daily 49er. Um, and today we're both here to talk to Vince Norga. He is the associate director for the University Honors Program and the President Scholarship. So how are you doing, Vince? I'm doing good. Thanks for inviting me. Awesome. And Sarah is also a President Scholar, so we're lucky to have her here to get some insight as well. Uh, Vince, can you start out by telling us what exactly the President Scholarship is? So our President Scholarship uh, is the kind of, uh, it's a merit-based scholarship that's the most kind of uh, rigorous one on our campus to get into. Um, it can cover tuition, housing, uh, meal plans, uh, book stipends uh, for up to eight semesters, which is a four-year uh, graduation. Um, and uh, in order to get that scholarship, it's for incoming high school students and currently starting the last two years ago, uh, also transfer students as well. Um, and it, 
is for the students that have the high uh, rigorous academic levels, and they also uh, have to provide some kind of level of leadership potential as well uh, when they're getting the scholarship. Great. How ma- about how many students receive this every So it year? depends on our level of funding for the year. Um, so each year we have to go in and take a look at, see what our, our donation funds look like uh, to the scholarship and see how many uh, new scholars we can enter into our, our existing pool of scholars. Um, and it's usually somewhere between 25 to um, last year was 32. The year before was 36. So it's usually in that range. Okay. And what exactly is, what does your job entail? So my job entails um, a lot of different hats. But um, so I oversee outreach for our department, uh, technology, website, uh, online forms, data management. But in terms of the scholarship piece, um, I oversee the um, the, the budgeting for the scholarship, so making sure that you know we have enough funds on hand uh, for the entering scholars, uh, as well as uh, helping out our current scholars on campus with uh, mentoring aspects, uh, making sure they achieve all they can, get them hooked up with internships. I'm looking at Sarah because I had her mm-hmm. hooked up with an internship a little bit ago. Um, mm-hmm. Also uh, making sure you know if they have any issues that I can help them kind of navigate through that um, during their time here on the campus. Great. That's true. I had like a crisis about a year and a half ago, meaning that I just I had no idea um, what I wanted to be doing anymore. I didn't know if my major was suited for me. And I just went to Vince and I was like, help me out. What do I do? And he helped calm me down and figure out what was the best path for me to take. (laughs) That was great. Um, And then I figured I'd start talking about how um, what those benefits actually look like from a president scholar's perspective. so for me, I'm a junior, and so three years ago, or about two and a half years ago, um, I um, was accepted and given the scholarship, and um, I was promised four years of tuition, as well as free housing, so I get um, my dorm paid for. Um, and I know that they give the scholarship, at least they used to, um, to valedictorians, um, as well as National Merit Scholars. Um, and so for me, um, I was a valedictorian, and um, so all I really have to figure out how to pay for is my meal plan for living in the dorms. Um, a lot of people will ask me um, if I'm allowed to get like a living stipend and go live off campus, um, but that's not the case. Uh, we get housing in the dorms, which also it helps a lot for um, building that community amongst the president scholars and like maintaining friendships like I get to live with um my roommate is actually um another president scholar and we were just best friends and um a lot of the people in my grade I've gotten to be like really close with um but I know that that isn't really I I know that the scholarship has changed a little bit um meaning that like not everyone gets housing anymore um and I kind of wanted to talk about um, about that change that came into play a couple years ago, um, the year after I came in. Mm-hmm. Um, was it in the works for a while? Or? Um, the change, uh, it was, I think, being talked about for about, you know, a year or so uh, because um, there was several things kind of going on in terms of, like, the funding because the president was having to put in some extra um, funds from their own uh, president uh, – discretionary accounts uh, to backfill some of the scholarship. Um, And uh, on top of that, the initial goal of the scholarship was to kind of heighten the level of our our institution 
right, um, in terms of bringing in valedictorians and stuff. So it increases our profile of our campus. Um, and over, you know, we had over a thousand so scholars that have been on our campus since the time of its inception in 95. Um, and so we've kind of met that, that goal. Um, you know, this year we had over 102,000 applications to CSULB for undergraduates. So um, you can see that and that's overwhelming, and we can only admit, you know, around maybe three to 4,000 of those students, you know, to our campus. So uh, we've, we've met those goals, and so we were trying to see what is the new direction that the scholarship probably um, could work best in terms of still giving that, that opportunity to students, you know, such as Sarah, um, that are high-achieving students, but also meet the, um, the, the kind of expectations of the campus um, and how the campus is changing as well. So... Um, in order to do that, some of the funds are, you know, we can't give the exact same level to everyone if we're going to try to expand it out to meet more students so it become more of an inclusive scholarship. Uh, and then one of those changes, well, it doesn't have to be necessarily a national merit or a valedictorian individual that receives that, so it's just a high-achieving student, um, whereas there's a lot of high schools that um, don't give valedictorianship, so they were not being included before. And then there's some high schools where they give 20 valedictorianships. So then there's 20 people from that high school that could be possibly being accepted to our scholarship, whereas some are just one. So, you know, in terms of equality um, for our entering students, um, now we're able to do that. And then uh, in terms of broadening it out, the scholarships, um, they still include um, tuition is the, like the baseline. Um, but on top of that, there's little extra funds as well that go into other things. Um, and then... Also, uh, our scholars are asked to do a FAFSA or DREAM Act as part of the application because that's part of the disbursement process uh, for the scholarship now. And then there's a lot of funds uh, that students end up getting, uh, not knowing that they would get in terms of like Cal grants, um, uh, that end up supplementing some of that those funds. And then the remainder of that scholarship ends up covering still like the housing so that it's like they're still getting their tuition and housing even though the scholarship's not covering all of that by itself, but with the other grants and stuff, it still seems like a full ride to those students. Um, and so who decided to change the program? Uh, there was a committee, um, I believe, through the president's office in the cabinet. So she um, you know, would speak with individuals uh, uh, from her cabinet to, to make those decisions. Um, so it came kind of from the top, and then you know, the word was passed down to everyone else as well. Um, right. Um, and you said as far as numbers of president scholars that we mm -hmm. get in every year, it's not like a set number. It's however much money um, there is to yes, give out so, that Yes, so if uh, for some reason uh, we have maybe um, an endowment that is in expiration, um, then we won't be able to, you know, cover that many scholarships for that expiration. But on the other hand, we always always are trying to cultivate new donorship um, through our presence associates and we work with annual giving on campus to to interact with those donors and sometimes I'll go to lunches with them and um, you know kind of explain what our scholarship is uh, once in a while I'll bring a scholar with me um, and then so they can interact with the students and see how exceptional they are and what they can possibly achieve with these um, these benefits from the scholarship um, and then with new donorship then we can expand out and give more scholarships to more students as well. Okay, so you mentioned donorship. Um, mm -hmm. Can you explain a little bit of where the money, the funding comes from for these president scholars? Okay, so um, the funding comes from uh, private and like corporation donors. Um, so 
uh, in partnership with our annual giving office, they'll reach out to these individuals and um, you know, see if they want to support. And if they give, you know, a certain level of, um, of support to the scholarship, uh, then they get little extra perks, like they can do, like, events with the president. Um, they, like, the president will sometimes do, like, a fireside chat at her house and invite um, the donors and kind of give them an update on, like, how the campus is going, where the scholarship's going. Um, and then they also get invited to other events, such as uh, our uh, thesis panels coming up in the spring for our graduating um, scholars that are part of the University Honors Program as well. They get to talk about their accumulating experience in research um, and what they've done kind of in their senior year. Great. Mm-hmm. Has anyone expressed any kind of um, – has anyone been upset over the changes? Has anyone um, – I think there was expression of concern when it was first going on because it, it seemed kind of abrupt – um, the change, uh, but you know, people were thinking about it. Uh, I think in the upper levels to make sure that things are going on. So as soon as the change were going, um, we brought in individuals to kind of talk about it. So there was a city hall to talk about the changes for the scholars. Um, uh, so that's the alumni scholars, the current scholars uh, that were invited to that. Uh, then there was an, a separate meeting as well that was held for the donors to come, um, and so they could ask questions and, and express their concerns and kind of hear what was. Um, kind of the reasoning behind the changes um, and what to expect from the changes as well. Uh, and I think after hearing kind of the explanation of that, you know, it's, it's going to be something that will allow for more, um, you know, exceptional students to be a part of the scholarship, you know, so it becomes more inclusive, uh, allows for different types of students so that we have transfers now as well. So it's not just incoming freshmen, but also transfers. So that's a different type of student altogether that can be included in the scholarship. Um, it just broadens, you know, the the value of the scholarship and uh, the types of individuals for our community as well. Um, and then a, a majority of the um, donors that were at these meetings, you know, all their, their concerns were put to rest after we've seen, you know, the, the implementation after we're now in the second year after the change. Um, uh, current scholars, you know, their scholarship is still going as what they were promised. So, uh, you know, nothing has been, you know, diminished in any way. Um, <clears throat> I was actually in one of those meetings, the one um, held my freshman year for current scholars and alumni to come and see um, and speak with President Connolly about um, the changes that were going to come. And I remember there being a lot of tension in the room. A lot of people weren't very happy that um, they were like really unsure about how the scholarship was going to change. Um, and I know there were a lot of people worried that the community would kind of be affected. Like, uh, we're all a really close-lit close-knit group and they felt that um, if you only offered students tuition rather than housing maybe they wouldn't be able to um, get that kinship that the rest of us have and sort of like stay involved in the community Um, and I being being two years into this change I feel like Mm -hmm. I do notice a bit of a change um, when we go to different events that the president scholarship is holding like um we have like a christmas holiday party every year and we invite every class um i only see a handful of kids from the sophomore and freshman classes would you say that's normal for beginners or was my Um, class just abnormal or is that actually happening your class was very uh close-knit i think Um, um uh you you all kind of bonded really fast um the the sophomore class um they're coming in during the transitional time um, so there were some things, I think, uh, for that class that um, the bonding didn't 
quite happen as organically as it did for your class. But now that we're two years in, mm-hmm. this new freshman class, I feel like, is bonding a lot. There's, a, I think, almost about 80 to 90 percent of them are in housing. Uh, and they're all in our honors house because we actually have an honors house now on campus. So all of them are living in there as honor students and present scholars. Um, and uh, I see them rolling around in groups. And um, so I, I think it's going to build back that strength um, and then, uh, hopefully be able to connect back in with the alumni scholars as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, through different events, like we still have the, the holiday party that we're going on. We have the, the luau at the end of the year that we're trying to do. Um, and, you know, graduations and everything else. So just a question, just because I'm, I'm not too familiar with the with the scholarship. So basically, everyone that receives the scholarship, you guys are kind of like a, like a group. You guys hang out. Yeah, we actually get access to, one of the perks is we get access to um, a special, like, lounge area room uh, oh, wow. on the fifth, fifth floor of the library. Yeah, so that's really nice. There's a lot of computers in VIP. there. VIP. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of computers we can go and use in there, and um, there's couches. I've definitely taken a nap on the couch before. Um, and then there's also, like, the advisor's offices are in there as well, so you're having like the sophomore struggle like I was last year and you don't know what you're doing with your life you can just go in and cry to the counselors <laughs> the advisors in front of um you know they're in that room to help us out and Vince is one of them is that yeah no? yeah yeah my door is always <laughs> open so I have scholars dropping in it's usually not all the time struggles sometimes it's just they come in and tell me right. something awesome that they did and I'm like wow I'm jealous because you're doing more awesome <laughs> stuff than I ever did when I was in my undergraduate career so Perfect, yeah. Um, can you uh, describe a time where um, it seemed like uh, a lot of scholars were coming to you and it was overwhelming or? Um, overwhelming, overwhelming. Um, just, just any any memory that sticks out to you? That's Most of my memories are, are more happy right. when I have <laughs> scholars coming in and telling me about, you know, that they – you are part of like several research teams and they're doing some internship uh, uh, that they already received a job and they're still not even finished, you know, halfway through their their junior year. And it's like you have a job when you're going to be leaving campus. That's incredible. So um, it's usually good stuff um, that that they come in. I mean, there's there's obviously no challenges and stuff, but sometimes that almost makes it better, too, when they come at the end of it and say, you know, I turned that challenge and then I was able to succeed from there. Uh, are there some present scholar couples that come out of this? I've heard yeah, a rumor. The, wow. the, there is a lot of <laughs> coupling that happens with the present scholars because they're close knit. So you know, when people are close together, you know, relationships happen. So I think a couple uh, even got. We had a couple marriages. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had some couple marriages. I think there was even one who was like an alumni and a current scholar had gotten married. Um, and uh, so yeah, a lot of coupling. So there's some scholar babies out there in the world. I think <laughs> oh as, as well now. So. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we make dreams happen, you know, marriages, <laughs> <laughs> um, all kinds of stuff, friendships for life. So I know there's a lot of them that still continue on when they're alumni that are friends, and they'll come back and visit like a couple years later. Right. Uh, sometimes I'll have scholars still um, uh, will come back and ask for a letter of recommendation while they're in pursuing a, you know more advanced degrees on top of what they currently have and or maybe for a job reference or something like that, so. That's great. And how long have you been in the position? So I'm going on five years this coming summer uh, in this position. So uh, so I was in there for a little bit, and then we went through the transition for two years. Um, and before that, I used to work at, at another campus, but um, yeah. 
Okay. Were you doing something similar? It's- yeah, similar higher education, um, mentoring students. Uh, population was a little bit different, so I was working more with the at-risk population students, those students that were on subject to dismissal from their campus. Um, so we have you know a little slightly different uh, expectation for our students. So when they're in trouble, it's still they're in good standing with the university. But I expect our students to get you know 3.5s. 4.0s, I give them high fives. Wow. So, you know, yeah. that's super cool, huh? <laughs> yeah, at the end of every semester, we get an email from Vince saying, like, okay, everyone who got a 4.0 this semester, don't forget to drop by my office to get your free high five. <laughs> <laughs> my high fives don't come cheap. <laughs> right. Right. So, before we wrap up, what would you say your ultimate goal for the President Scholars are? My ultimate goal is for them to be successful in whatever it is that they're doing. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that achieves a lot of money, but as long as they're happy and they're successful in their lives, that's what makes me, you know, satisfied at the end of my day. And, you know, I hope that they come back and tell me about it. Awesome. Um, I know this is a bit out of order, but I just wanted to clarify um, what the changes actually were. So you said everyone from this incoming year, mm-hmm. this freshman year, is living together, or like 80% of them? So, yeah, if they're an incoming um, university honor student, which all of our scholars have to be a university honor student, uh, then they live in the honors house if they're incoming. Um, for incoming. Okay, for so incoming. those transfer students now wouldn't get housing. They they can if they want housing. Not a lot of transfer students come in and ask for housing on our campus, but if they did, they, they would have access to the honors house as well. I've heard that they have to choose between tuition or free housing. Uh, that, that was uh, last year. This year we changed a little bit because we saw um, that, you know, it wasn't, you know, as adequate to some of the stuff. So we've uh, changed it to some – there's some packages where it's a lump sum where they can use towards um, tuition and housing. Mm-hmm. So it depends on it, what kind of grant money they got. That okay. money will shift around so to cover. So different per student, different each case. Uh, yeah, so there's a couple different packages, some that will cover everything, some that will be kind of a middle ground that will cover a lot of things, not everything total, but usually okay. with the grants it ends up being the full as well. Wow, that was quite the interview that Kat and Sarah did, our good old news editor team. And now over to our other news editor, our senior news editor, that would be James. And James is going to give us a little bit of a news update. So you can look forward to that right now. So in the studio to me with, with me today is... I'm James Chow. I'm a senior news assistant for the Daily 49er. Mm-hmm. And then me and James are going to be hitting, let's see, the state of the city. Um, last week's ASI meeting, or this week's ASI meeting, actually. And then, let's see, like new like campus renovations and whatnot. Yes. So let's start out with that that state of the city situation that you went to last night. What was kind of the feel in the room? What's the purpose behind the event and all that? Yes, yeah, so it was actually it was actually the people's state of the city. Um, it, it's different from the the mayor's state of the city. Mm-hmm. And basically, um, the people, Long Beach residents and organizations, were there to kind of voice their uh, perspectives on what they think is um, going wrong with uh, at the city level. So a lot of organizations like. Uh, actually, the event was organized by a group called the coalition of groups called Long Beach Rising, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, other groups were there. Considering, I mean, uh, consisting of the Kamai Girls in Action, um, Housing Long Beach, the CFA. Um, there's like I think 15 organizations there. It was, it was a pretty big turnout. Uh-huh. And then, how is it kind of different from the mayor's state of the city than like the people's state of the city versus the mayor's state of the city? Okay, so the mayor's state of the city, um, he talks about kind of like the what's been going on in the past year 
um, you know, um, some upcoming projects and like it's usually all peachy and fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he talks about like crime statistics. He, I remember him mentioning that like we have like um, I think more cops on the streets now and like low crime rates and stuff like that. But uh, on the other hand, the people say the city is more to- geared toward um, what the what residency as the problem in Long Beach. So a lot of them are addressing issues of homelessness. Um, the issues in uh, the sexual abuse in hotels and stuff like that, mm. um, yeah, and and kind of um, topics like that. Yeah, were those all the topics that came up during it, or were um, there more on top of that? There are more. There they talked about like K through twelve education, um, like funding toward that. Um, I know there's a group outside with picket signs. They were picketing. Uh, they wanted to have sanctuary, a sanctuary city, especially, and the, that group was geared more toward animals. I think it's Live Love Animals, I think the, yeah. the name of the group. And yeah, they they wanted to have like no-kill animal shelters um, in Long Beach. Uh-huh. That. So people were both pushing for, let's see, like going off the list here, sanctuary city, no-kill set, like um, no-kill animal shelters and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, like you actually went to the event itself last right. night. Like mm-hmm. what was kind of the the room feel there i guess you would call it um it was it wasn't i wouldn't say tense but everyone it was kind of like a collective um how how do you say this like uh yeah people were just like voicing their concerns and stuff like that um like but actually before the actual presentation started it was the event was at the first congregational church uh in the parking lot there's actually a community fair so there's like booths out there Mm -hmm. and they were uh all kind of um showing off like what they stand for because they're, they're a different organizations showing off what they stand for. And yeah, a lot of them, uh, I, I know the ones that I went to, a lot of them uh, were very like, uh, there's a booth that was giving out stickers that said, I stand with women. Mm-hmm. And that one was, uh, toward the, the hotel workers, sexual abuse kind of thing. Going yeah. on Because like in, in hotels like the, I think Marriott and the Hyatt and stuff like that. Um, like a lot of female hotel workers are overworked mm-hmm. um some voice sexual abuse but it's kind of like pushed under the rug well i mean there's also the issue of human trafficking with a lot of these hotels as mm-hmm. well at least um in my i won't say own experience but when i was at community college i did work on a campaign to address the issue of human trafficking like throughout san diego which is fairly just prevalent in general throughout southern california so that's mm-hmm. an added kind of rounding to that as well mm-hmm. Um, also, you wrestling in your jacket totally got picked up on mic. It was pretty great. Oh, really? R- very <laughs> ASMR. <laughs> um, but I have a burrito in there. You have a br- shh. Can't no, no, the- I mean like a breakfast burrito. Shh, shh, James. You can't. We're in the studio. You can't. You can't have that. Oh shoot. Oh my bad. Well, it's wrapped up. Uh, I'm not eating it anytime soon. Oh my god. <laughs> Flying by the seat of our pants here, guys. Um anything else to add about the state of the city or the people's state of the city, James? Um it was just a, a good time. Um yeah, city council members were there too. A lot of um uh, I know second district member Janine Pierce was there and um I talked to Vice Mayor Rex Richardson. Mm-hmm. He was there too and yeah, like uh they kinda got that perspective of how the residents are feeling and yeah and um, they understand. They understand the struggles that they're going through. Yeah, they they got the yeah, man. Okay, all right. And when's that article coming out for you in the Daily Forty Nine er, James? It's either it's slated either to come out today or Sunday. So, but I think it's um, 
the better date is probably going to be Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So keep an eye out for that Sunday, guys. Mm-hmm. So moving on up, uh, what do we got up next, James? We got, let's see, ASI. Yes. yes. ASI <laughs> and good old Prospector Pete's. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically, uh, the last Senate meeting, uh, one of our writers, Lorraine, uh, attended it and yeah, Prospector Pete is a is a hot topic right now in the mm-hmm. ASI Senate. Um, I know they're trying to advocate to either uh, bring it down, I believe, or um, put, uh, like put up, put up like a plaque or something like that like show that it was there. Kind of like to because it's 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 kind of offensive to. I mean, the the statue is viewed as offensive by the um, indigenous population on campus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and is ASI actually working towards anything to move that statue, or is it kind of just something that's being paid lip service to at this point? Uh, right now, it's a, it's a resolution, mm-hmm. so um, it still has to be passed by the Senate, and then it still has to be a- approved by. There's like a whole bunch of steps. I think it has to be like at the end goal approved by the president. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I mean, we don't know where it's going right now. Right now, it's in its second reading, and I think it's going to be. Passwords uh, will view looked on as for its final reading next week, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, uh, the at the meeting at this past meeting, there's a an American Indian student uh, who came into the Senate meeting and basically voiced that, uh, like, saying how how the statue perpetuates the idea of like genocide for Native people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then what is the resolution exactly looking to do with this statue? Are we going to kind of kick it in the dumpster? Are we going to have a ceremonial burning of Prospector Pete? What is going to happen to that statue? Uh, I think it's meant to, like, t- take it out, like, com- take it out completely. Um, but the there's a bunch of, uh, like, issues that could go on with it. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, if you want to keep going, James, on that resolution... Um, yeah, so basically, um, yeah, I think they're trying to take it down, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on with it. Like, there's a lot of rules against it because um, it was actually created by a student, mm-hmm. like, and it's, like, viewed as, like, kind of, like, artistic property, and yeah. uh, they can't just take it down because it wasn't meant to be a prospector. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just ended up, you know, I guess looking be- like one and yeah, being becoming, associated to it. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't it originally based off a of journalism student as well? I, or, or at least that's like kind of the urban myth that goes mm-hmm. around, you know. I, I believe so, yeah. yeah. I, I think it, like the statute is actually based like on an, a journalism student that went to campus, as soon as I was told. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that we can neither confirm nor deny that, but only perpetuate superstition. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, so. Uh, moving on, we have new infrastructure stuff going on around campus as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, uh, the UDP and the University Books are slated to have um, um, renovations, uh, but it's not going to happen until like three three years away. So uh, you know, freshmen are lucky; they'll be able to see it. But um, yeah. most of us probably won't be able to see it, like at least as students on campus. Yeah. How do you feel about that, James? How do you feel about not being able to... I mean, we'll get into what those renovations are here in a second, but how do you feel about, you know, you're go- you're you're a big boy. You're, what, uh. a junior? <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be moving to the, your senior semester uh-huh. here soon. What do you think about never being able to see, say, any of the changes on campus? Well, um, I'm not too worried about it because I'm pretty sure uh, construction is going to suck around that time. 
and <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm I'm just gonna enjoy the subway as much as I can. <laughs> You're gonna enjoy subway as much as you can, or uh, and uh, you know, hibachi san and get my bobo there. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy whatever I can. Yeah, yeah. So, what specifically <laughs> is being renovated then? You mentioned subway, but yeah. oh, um, actually, no. I'm 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 just saying that what I like, <laughs> but like you, um, you just just this is what. <laughs> Yeah. James likes the show, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, actually, like we actually don't know yet what's going to be renovated because it's so far away right now. Mm-hmm. They're kind of um, they're kind of just gauging the, the administration is kind of just gauging um, what the students want, and um, yeah, so they're kind of like conducting focus groups and see like oh, student input to see what they want to see, what they want renovated. Yeah, and um, uh, from the students that we've interviewed, uh, uh, a lot of them want renovations on the. Um, on, on buildings like um, that have like asbestos and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like in um, asbestos, mm-hmm. just <laughs> the, the fix. You know, prioritize. I guess yeah, prioritize buildings that you know need prioritize older buildings yeah, around exactly. campus. So you know, and it's not like there's any lack of things to fix around campus as well. We did an entire special section on it last semester. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 man. <laughs> so um. Any, like, stories that you would like to tease coming out there, James, um, in the coming issues? Um, I, uh, ASI elections are coming up, um, so we're going to have a spread on that, um, kind of going profiles with uh, the the runners for, the candidates for the ASI president. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have our special issue coming out later in March, which will talk about the Long Beach elections, uh, kind of give... Uh, a profile on mm-hmm. them. It should be coming out the week before spring break, so um, yeah. definitely check that out. And um, yeah, 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 man, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that was our assistant news editor James with your news update for last week. Um, up next, we have Brian from our Journalism 420 class here on campus, um, and he did a little bit of reporting for the Daily 49er on the low-income hotels and the kind of push to clean them up, possibly close them down, and kind of the experience he had around reporting that. So now to Brian. Yeah, my name is Brian Varela, and I'm a senior here at Cal State Long Beach. And I'm in a class of, you know, in-depth reporting for the Daily 49er. And, uh, you know, I had an assignment coming up to, you know, find an article and report on it or uh, find a story and report on it. And uh, I was walking through the neighborhood one day, and I saw this uh, flyer about this new coalition that was uh, forming to, you know, petition this local uh, local hotel. Well, it was called a hotel, but I think it's more of a like a apartment building mm-hmm. and i'm aware of this apartment building i've seen it before so i was curious as to uh you know what they were petitioning so uh they held they held a rally and i showed up there and i covered the story for the daily 49er yeah and then if you could go into a little bit about the actual like coalition like who they are what their purpose is and then like more info on the grace hotel and like the kind of situation there okay well the coalition just started i don't even think the they have like, the proper pa- uh, paperwork filed yet but it's called the Cleanup Zaffari uh, Coalition, and mm-hmm. it's based in the Zaffari neighborhood here in Long Beach. And uh, they had, when they held the rally, I showed up there. I met the, the leader, the one who's trying to get everything going. And uh, when I first uh, heard about this coalition, I tried, you know, finding information on them online and uh, see, to learn what, everything I could about them. And I ended up calling our councilman for District 4, uh, oh, Daryl really? uh, Supernaw. 
And uh, they were aware that the coalition for, uh, was forming, and they're aware that there was a rally taking place. But uh, that was all the information they knew. They were just as uh, in the dark as I was. So when I spoke to the leader in person, uh, his name was Robert uh, Bergman. Uh, he had told me he just started himself, and uh, they're in the process of getting, uh, you know, members and getting a meeting place. But this was their very first uh, first meeting was at the corner across the street from this uh, hotel. Their first formal meeting was, the, you know, their, <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, they're a little. I don't want to call it like picketing, but they're, them like showing up there and like trying to make a, a statement. They were showing up there to you know to let the residents and the owner of the, this building to just let them know that they're they're aware of what's uh, happening and they're upset and they just want to let them know that we're, they're trying to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So then, what's happening then? Well, you know, it's uh, difficult to say, but uh, the general idea of what the neighbors and the people in the neighborhood what they, what they think about this place is that uh, you know there's drugs. Uh, being sold out of there. There's people doing dr- drugs inside the building. Uh, there's people who are, you know, maybe stealing, committing crimes in the general vicinity there. Uh, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of uh, cars getting broken into in this mm-hmm. area, and uh, people are uh, assuming that it's people inside these, this hotel that's uh, committing the crimes because you know, it's low-income housing, and you know they're not dressed in suits and they're not uh, maybe not dressed uh, in the highest of fashion. Mm-hmm. So they have a sort of a ragamuffin look to them. Yeah. So uh, I mean, w- uh, ragamuffin's a little bit harsh, but <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it's all right. Uh, was what, what was like the actual turnout for the coalition like? Uh, okay, well, it was me, and it was a leader, and it was another woman who was in the area, and a whole bunch of firemen because the they were there running drills, and mm-hmm. it was the leader was or not the leader, but the the owner of the hotel was there with his son, and a couple other people who who were, I think, uh, just hanging out and talking to me. I think there might have been tenants who were talking to the owner. Yeah. But there wasn't a large turnout as for the coalition anyways. But like I said, it was maybe three, three or four of us. Uh, and then you actually went through the hotel as well. Yeah. I, you know, uh, after I spoke to, uh, you know, uh, the leader, uh, Robert, and then I spoke to uh, Cindy Wiley. She was a woman who was there. I started taking pictures and uh, right away, uh, you know, that caught some attention. The owner ran, o- ran up to me and he's like, oh, you know, uh, if you want to come in and look around and see for yourself, uh, I can give you a tour. And I said, sure, why not? And I explained what I was doing, and uh, we just walked to the hotel and uh, talked to some of the tenants. And, you know, after going in, uh, everything, it didn't seem as bad as what the neighbors thought. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the tenants I spoke to, they were very polite. Uh, the rooms were clean for the most part, you know. Uh, it wasn't like there it wasn't anyone laying dead in the hallway or anything. Yeah. It, was, it seemed like, a, you know, despite it being a low-income housing, yeah. Uh, it was in good condition, I thought. Other than, of course, the part of the building that had just recently uh, burned down. Yeah. So, I mean, so do you think the um, kind of outrage is a little bit overblown then? Or what's kind mm. of your take on this here? Well, uh, some of the people I, I talked to, other than, you know, some of the neighbors that I know who, you know, maybe who didn't show up at the cold, to the meeting or the rally, uh, they also, too, they feel that, you know, that, you know, they feel there's something going on at this hotel, too, because... Uh, uh, one of the people I spoke to, they, he's always point. He pointed out that whenever he walks by, there's always a like a certain smell coming outside of the building. Mm-hmm. And there's always and there's always people uh, hanging around outside, and they're they maybe they, they drive by and they they'll park in the middle of the street and they'll bl- block traffic for who knows how long, and or they're blasting loud music. And um, you know the the owner of the building, he's pointed out that they have uh, like public restrooms inside the building, mm-hmm. so that could be one uh, possibility as to why there's people uh, hanging around outside or yeah. people going. Exiting and entering the building all the time too. Mm-hmm. See, I'm at I'm at a little bit of a loss, particularly on this issue, um, just because, like, on the one hand, you have like generally like genuinely like low income like families living in these buildings and everything like that, and people who are trying to get back up on their feet and everything. 
But, you know, there, there's – at the same time, I don't want to completely write off the neighborhood concerns. Do you kind of see that or do you see any, like, possible, like, solution as to – I don't even want to say who's in the right or who's in the wrong because that paints it too, like, much in a binary black and white rather than a gray like it actually yeah. is. But, yeah. yeah, what do you think? You know, uh, with any uh, story, there's always two sides to it, you know, and uh, from the public's point of view, it, it seems like there's a uh, – people hanging around there and they're doing uh, committing crimes and doing drugs and but on the inside uh the, you know they told me that they feel like a family and the uh, you know they one, one person even said that it was gossip that people in the neighborhood say you know you know these type, type of things are taking place in the hotel or it's just gossip you know yeah and there's no fact behind them and then you know the the owner he said you know with everything you you always have like the bad cases you know there's no matter no matter the type of building i guess uh, there's gonna be someone who causes trouble yeah and he pointed that out but you know, you know, there is definitely something going on there. Well, I should say, definitely something going on. But there is a, there's definitely a reason why for, uh, why the neighbors are complaining. Mm-hmm. So uh, who knows? And he's a, uh, you know, I also point out in the article too there that this uh, particular area, this maybe like three block by three block area, uh, there has been, and just in the month of January alone, there has been uh, like 25 cr- uh, crimes committed. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, uh, so it, there's a, there's definitely crime. There's a report. There's crime taking place in this area. But who's to say where it's coming from? Yeah. No, I mean, see, it's – for me, from my perspective, it's rough as well. Um, when I was in community college, I did a little bit of work on an awareness campaign for human trafficking. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you'll see a lot of people who are getting human traffic, like, actually coming through these hotels and, you know, going to prostitution and so on and so forth. So it's <sighs> – it's a problem that I don't know the solution to, and I, I don't – I'm not really on it with the coalition where it's just like, oh, like a blind crackdown. Like, But at the same time, it's not like you can just sit back and do nothing. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the the owner, he, you know, I feel like he generally cares for these people because, uh, you know, when there was, when there, was a, there was a fire earlier in the week or the week before prior to the, the rally – and uh, everyone had to get kicked out of the building uh-huh. for a couple of nights, and the Red Cross uh, took in most of them. Uh, oh, also, by the way, I just want to preface because that just popped into my head. I'm by no means saying the Grace Hotel is just, like participating in any of the work that I was doing. It like, oh no, no, like, I, I, you know, I, I didn't assume that, and I, yeah, I don't think there's any human trafficking going on there. Mm-hmm. At least I hope not. Yeah, well, well, but that is like, I guess, like my concern that comes to mind, at least, you know, and yeah. but. I don't know, man. It's it's really it, – it comes down to a problem of um, one trying to not necessarily crack down on crime but advert crime or mm-hmm. diminish crime while also not hurting, like, the actual people who are affected by that crime. Yeah. And not only affected by that crime but also affected by being low income in general. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, but, you know, uh, like I was saying um, – uh, this uh, owner of this place, uh, he generally feels uh, feels something for these people, and uh, you know it is Im- low income, and he rents by the week, mm-hmm. and it's approximately you know one hundred sixty five dollars a week, and uh, he was uh, he was feeling sorry because uh, after the fire came, uh, you know happened, uh, everyone was kicked out, and then the Red Cross took him in, but the Red Cross only took him in for so long, but there, yeah. there was still uh, work being done at the building, and they couldn't move back in. So a lot, and a lot of these people were living out of their uh, cars, and they may still uh, may still be too. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just but being displaced like generally sucks as well. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a really unfortunate situation. 
Uh, do you have any ideas on how this should be handled or any other additional comments to add before we wrap up here? Or? Uh, you know, I think uh, one way to handle this is just to maybe get this coalition together and get people in the neighborhood who are upset or they feel like something's happening at this hotel and get the leader and the, everyone in the coalition together with the owner of the building and tenants in the building. That way they can just hash it out and talk it over and they get a, you know, maybe if the tenants made their case and, the, you know, and then the... The coalition people in their case, maybe they could work something out. Yeah. Well, um, that kind of does it for this interview. So we're going to jump to the outro from here, which I recorded before this. So okay. if it sounds weird and choppy, that is why. Uh, yep. Here we go. There's past me right there talking to you now. And you have been listening to the Daily 49er Update. Uh, I, of course, am Joel Vaughn. Um, I'm your radio producer, or I guess in this case now, more podcast producer for the Daily 49er. So expect the format, of course, to evolve, change, and us to kind of sharpen where we're going with this as we move along. Thanks, guys. And this has been your kind of news roundup for the Daily 49er being recorded. Let's see. This is March 3rd, 2018. Thank you and goodbye.